Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much that you are our Father and that you have given us our King, uh, Jesus, who is Lord over uh, every aspect of our life. Uh, We uh, know that you are Lord over our uh, private thoughts, you are Lord over our um, external um, actions, you are Lord over our family lives, and you are Lord over our work. And so, We just um, come now, Lord, to think about that and to think about how you are uh, Lord of work. What does our faith say about the work that you have given us to do? Uh, We ask now that you would uh, come and um, speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Uh, I pray that the things that that are said here would uh, spark uh, rabbit trails that would take us uh, deeper to you. And we just ask, Lord, that you would... um, just guide and govern our thoughts and our words, and uh, all to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, just to just to sort of recap uh, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you guys can grab a, um, a sheet there as you come in. Um, as we talk about uh, leadership and, and really work and um, vocation, uh, how. There's just a potential dichotomy that I that I think about sometimes, and, and you may think about as well. That we talk so much about, uh, we are justified by uh, our faith and not by our works. That is, we are justified by the work of Jesus and not by our own performance and not by our own achievement. And yet we go to work and we spend our very best waking hours at work, where perf- performance is everything. And and that's a very there's a good and right sense about that. If you don't perform well, then perhaps that's not the job for you. Performance is everything. Uh, and so, um, and so, what I, I I'm concerned that that can create is this um, this sort of juxtaposition, this dichotomy, where uh, we believe one thing at church and perhaps we believe it at home, but when we go to work. Uh, we don't know how the, how it could possibly apply. How does how being um, not justified by our works in one realm and justified entirely by our work in a, a very important realm? Uh, how does that all um, work? How does that come together? And so I just wonder if that um, creates a dichotomy. And I wanted to ad- address that in this series. What does our faith have to say about uh, work? How are we to flourish as a Christian? At work, um, and we said last week that we were created for work. It's in the garden, it's part of um, who God created humanity to be: was working individuals, working uh, people, corporately and individually. Uh, prior to the fall, work was always a part of the plan, and that is um, that Judeo-Christian understanding of, of creation and of of work is really uh, unique among the major world religions. But um, and, w- and what that means is that there is great dignity in, in all types of work, um, uh, not just not just church work. Uh, there's a sort of a uh, Martin Luther sort of addressed a, a, a medieval notion of church work that actually still is uh, alive and well today in in sort of uh, evangelical circles, which is you know the real Christians are the ones that are in church work, and everybody else is not. As strong, and that is, that should not be the case. In fact, I think, and it's been said before, but I think it's absolutely true that I I, I think that it's actually much harder to be a Christian in and much more challenging and, and provide uh, 
requires much more faith to be a Christian in a secular or non-Christian work environment than it does in a Christian work environment because uh, because I, I'm sort of expected and everybody there's a sort of Christian set of expectations, but you have to actually apply it. You know, you actually have to take, if you're not working in church, you have to actually take what you believe and 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 by faith give it legs and and, and see how that uh, applies. And, and it's much more trial and error, really, than I have to... Um, do on a on a daily basis. I mean, I work too, but um, but it's a, it's a there's great dignity uh, in that, and we want to affirm that. Um, also said that human work is a major means by which God cares for us. Um, and I just gave the example of how I um, had a glass of milk before um, uh, that Sunday morning la- a couple of weeks ago, and and you think of the uh, the farmer and and the vet and the truck driver and the engineers who made the trucks and the road pavers and the grocers and the accountants and every all the work that came in just into that glass of milk and 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 actually how uh, everything that you have someone provided for you the only difference between wilderness and nakedness and civilization is human work and so that's a really a, a means by that God has uh, or, ordained and ordered um, and yet sin uh, distorts work. Sin, uh, human, sin distorts everything. And so naturally it distorts work as well. And in fact, that was one of the main things that God said to Adam and Eve after their sin is that is your work will be frustrated. Uh, thorns and thistles. Um, and so now what we under, we, you may um, experience in your work, it gives you great satisfaction and joy. Sometimes, maybe a lot of times, but there's also frustration, and your work is frustrated, uh, and that's just a natural part of things um, because of, of who we are. Uh, let me ask the question: How does uh, sin affect our work? How does sin, human sin, affect uh, our work? Uh, well, right away, our motivations. If, if sin is um, the the if sin is us curved in on ourselves rather than up to God, we're sort of automatically innately navel gazers. If, if sin is us curved in on ourselves, then our motivations for work are not for the glory of God, but are innately uh, selfish. And so we work for our own, uh, in a, and I'm not speaking co- in a condemning way, just sort of in an observation way in my own life. Uh, we work for our own glory. We work for our own security. We work for our own fulfillment. We work for our own satisfaction. We work for our own identity. Uh, and, and you probably could add to that list. In, in other words, we work for everything that we should. Uh, we were created to, to receive in, in God. We were created, we were working for the things that were ours uh, in the garden. Um, so I, want, I wanted to just, uh, I look, again, I love Calvin and Hobbes. So you can turn to the Calvin and Hobbes. Um, and so just the, the second frame, Calvin and Hobbes, you know, this is one of their favorite places to talk is on, on the wagon heading down the hill. And uh, Calvin says, I think life should be more like TV. I think all of life's problems ought to be solved in 30 minutes with simple homilies, don't you? I think weight and oral hygiene ought to be our biggest concerns. I think we should all have powerful, high-paying jobs, and everyone should drive fancy sports cars, and all our desires should be instantly gratified. Women should always wear tight clothes, and men should carry powerful handguns. Life overall should be more glamorous, thrill-packed, and filled with applause, don't you think? And of course, they crash, and and, um, and Hobbes says, I think my life is too feather-brained already. 
And then, but Calvin's still going. Of course, if life was really like that, what would we watch on TV? And, and the, um, the, uh, what, what I love about this, and the reason I, I bring it into this class, is that uh, Calvin has this, this idea, this sort of grand idea, of this, this romantic, uh, romanticized, um, totally unrealistic idea of what life is like. And yet he is, as he is articulating it, he is hurtling towards an ultimate crash. You know, he is, he is talking this way and he is heading this way. And I just think that is, uh, what a great picture uh, of our lives. We have this idea of, of what we are working for, this really unrealistic sort of romanticized version. And the whole, how we're just hurtling towards this, this deathly uh, de- uh, descent. So um, I, I think that, that was just, that just caught, my, caught my eye. Um, as as to what we what we what are we working for? Um, so so there's this balancing act uh, because you know what he says that sin makes us work for our own glory and our own identity and fulfillment and security and satisfaction and and, and yet even if we have godly motivations and even if we are really got everything working, there are going to be times where we get glory and fulfillment and satisfaction and identity from our work. So is it, is it a bad thing to get those things from our work? Maybe it's just a bad thing to, to work for those things. I, so we're, we're going to answer that. So it's a, it's a balancing act. We're, are we seeking the things, the glory and the fulfillment, or are we seeking the one who gives those things and holding them uh, lightly? Um, if we are in sin, what that means is we are serving idols, which of course doesn't mean um, you know uh, handcrafted golden uh, pictures of, of you know that you see little idols, but um, the first commandment, is is that we have no other gods before God. And what sin means is that we break that commandment. That everything else, even good things, we, we make into God things. And idols are often revealed by our work and what our motivations for for work. So what are we working for? Uh, what are we working for? The, as Christians, um, we are if if we are and we are, uh, if we are justified uh, by faith and not by works of righteousness, then everything that we are seeking, everything that we are clamoring for, uh, everything that we really believe sort of subconsciously uh, in our deepest psyche, everything we believe we must have, uh, we already have received in Christ, which is not to say that Therefore, don't work, because then how are you going to feed your family? Work is good, so we need that. But every all the things that we want for ourselves, this grand view, this sort of you know, Cal- Calvinish um, view, unrealistic view, uh, glory and honor and respect, and and um, then that we're working for, we we have all the glory and the honor and the greatest respect that we can want in Christ. Ephesians one three. Um, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I'm so glad that Paul included that little phrase in the heavenly places because we don't always live into every spiritual blessing. We don't always feel like we have it. And yet what Paul is saying is that we do actually have it. In the heavenlies, perhaps, it's true about us whether we're living into that truth or not. And I don't know if you know much about Ephesians 1, but it's it's like 
for 18 verses in the Greek is one sentence. I mean, Paul, it's this waterfall, this eruption of praise and, and thanksgiving. And, what Paul, and it's really just the gospel. And what Paul goes on to say, uh, I'm just going to read it to you. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. So, so that we're chosen, uh, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Uh, in love, He predestined us for adoption. So we're chosen and He made us His children uh, by adoption through Jesus Christ, according to His purpose, uh, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us. He has, not will, but has blessed us uh, in the Beloved, that is, in Christ. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. So He chose us, He adopted us, He bought us, He paid the price. The reason He, the way He did that was by His blood. Um, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. He's lavished His grace upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will. In Him we have obtained an inheritance. So He uh, chose us, adopted us, uh, paid the price, redeemed us. He has lavished His grace upon us. He has made us heirs. We have obtained an inheritance. And then He has sealed that uh, inheritance by the promise of the ho- and the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. Um, everything that we were made for, we have been given in Christ, which totally changes our entire lives. Not just our family, not just our eternal destination, but also uh, our work life, also our careers and the thing that God has called us to and the, the our own approach to how He has made us and what we're good at and what we get excited about. Um, and so if we have uh, achieved, uh, attained already in Christ everything that we are working for, the vain may ask, you know, why work at, at all? But the answer is, if the law has been fulfilled on our behalf, then what is the height of the law, the summary of the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So that is really, that is what we are able to do in our work. Remember, the way work is a means for which God provides for us, and is all our work is the means for which God provides for others. Someone needs what you work for, what you offer, your real estate, your orthopedic services, your uh, real, your um, your travel itineraries, your whatever it is, the pictures that you take, whatever it is, the, your legal services, whatever work that you do. Someone needs that service. That's why you do it. That's you, you charge them for that, and that's good and right. That's how your family is provided for, and that's how the things that they want are provided for uh, as well. So in our work, we love God and we love our neighbor. Uh, Tulian Chivijan, remember he was here for um, Linton, the Linton Lunch series. He's a, a, a sort of well-known in some circles pa- uh, pastor and preacher. Um, he says that we we work from our salvation, not for our salvation. I think it's a helpful way of thinking of it. We don't, we're not working for salvation, that is, we, which is what we do. We try to, we, this, this, you know, unrealistic idea that we're, we're, we're heading forward, we're going forward, we're trying to work for what we think is going to make us happy, and then what that means it does, is success means more pressure, and more pressure means more stress, and, and yet we, uh, we think that if we just achieve this thing, then we're going to, we're going to um, finally be alleviated, but what that brings is more pressure. And so, and it's just this cycle, this sort of, this marathon that never ends, ultra marathon. Um, even ultra marathons end, don't they, Paul? It doesn't end. It's laundry. You know, it just is always coming. It's just the laundry. Um, the, uh, 
So we work, but but we are uh, when we understand that the finish line has already been crossed uh, on our behalf, the it is finished line, as I said once in a sermon, um, then we are able to work not for our salvation but from it, and we are able to love God in that place and to love our neighbor uh, as ourself. Um, so 1 Corinthians 10, um, Paul is actually talking about how we conduct ourselves um, socially, and it's in that sort of obscure thing that was very important to them, but it's not really important to us about eating meat sacrificed to idols. This is how he, he says, because he's, we're not their moral action isn't going to attain their salvation, so they're at a place that they can work from it, not not for it. So, um, so Paul says, "Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor." Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks, that is, um, to uh, to those who have their own... Um, uh, make no distinction. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. So your good works are not for your salvation but they're to bless God's people or to bless those who don't yet know God, to provide a witness, which is not to say you need to be an uh, evangelist in your workplace. God may provide that opportunity, and if he does, you should take it. But that's not to say that you have to create it, but just that you are being God's presence uh, where you are. The gospel frees us in the heavenlies. Again, I'm going to acknowledge that we don't always walk in that. Or, um, but it uh, frees us from the idolatry of work, but it also, the gospel gives us a moral compass. The gospel provides a moral compass, a sort of a ballast to keep the ship afloat in the, in this, in the stormy seas. It, it gives, and so, so with the gospel, the bottom line may not be the bottom line. Now, profit is important, because if, if, if you're not making a profit, then you can't stay in business. If you can't stay in business, then that's not, you're not able to care for God's people that way. But if if um, if the bo- the bottom line may be uh, that we need to ca- to care for God's people, or I'm not going to be dishonest. I'm, that's the bottom line. I'm not going to be dishonest in, in this practice. Uh, if if you take God out of your business equation, if you take God out of your life, then then what is your basis for the for the way that you make decisions about things? Is it not? Um, it, it may be what is legal, or Maybe beyond what is legal, what what I will or will not get caught doing, uh, is it a benefit to me? Does it benefit the company? Does it benefit our bottom line or our shareholders? Ultimately, does it benefit me? Does it benefit me? Will I profit for this in my own long run? That's what is going to guide us. If um, and and that there that's going to change. And so, what what God does, what what. Uh, the moral compass that the gospel provides for us is that there is a concrete right and wrong. Well, it may not. Again, it's your job as Christians to understand. And you may have trial and error. You may need to seek godly counsel. But it's your job to to put your faith into practice morally. But again, not for your salvation, but from it. Um, because you have been saved, therefore you are free uh, to do what is right. And if it were to cost you your job to do something right. You know that God's going to take care of you. Does that sound cliche? Yes, it is true. It is a hard truth sometimes, uh, but it is true. 
will does it mean that you will not suffer for that? I can't guarantee that. But it does mean that God is there walking with you through that. So God, the gospel gives us a moral compass, uh, not just for our family, but for our work uh, as well. And it makes, um, it makes again, the bottom line is, is, is not profit, it's, it's people. Again, profit is important. Don't ever hear me say, please don't hear me say, that, um, that making money uh, is not an important part of business. It is. And, and we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Uh, but there is, um, there is, because the gospel says that there is dignity in work, not just church work, but all work, um, then we treat the people for whom we work and who work for us uh, with dignity. And, uh, and so there is benefit. That is a means by which if you are uh, an, uh, an employer, then you, it is your gospel responsibility, your, your privilege to care for the people uh, who are in your care, uh, who are in your charge. Uh, I want to look at um, Colossians 3. And so it's sort of a long passage, as you can see here. So I want to sort of walk through it. Um, and because I, this is one of the most beautiful sort of exhortation passages that, that there is in my mind. Um, and we sort of sometimes are a little bit allergic to exhortation because we are um, justified by faith and not by works. And, uh, and I get that. But I'm, I don't want to be afraid to talk about personal holiness. Um, I, I don't want to be afraid to talk about how um, the gospel affects and, and how we are to live lives of giving glory to God. Um, and so I think Ephes- uh, Colossians 3 is a great place uh, to do that. Before we get in there, any I've talked sort of a lot. Any, um, any questions or comments so far? Any thoughts? How am I doing, Troy? Okay, you got it. Words of wisdom. <laughs> the um, the thing that I think is so profound in what you're talking about for me that was so powerful was it always seemed like I'm you know, I'm here in church and I hear a certain thing and then I go to work and work is a different sphere mm-hmm. and somewhere along the way understanding that it's all integrated mm-hmm. and that how I live out my life at work um, is 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 my ministry, is my work mm-hmm. uh, for God, and um, that that just you know just changes everything because a it lifts a huge burden off mm-hmm. uh, to understand like you said if you have to make a hard decision and you you try and you do it in a way that is the best you can understand pleasing to God and then you just let it go mm-hmm. you know and it, it is uh, incredibly liberating and it liberates you to be a I think to be a better leader and business person, mm-hmm. but it's totally like the gospel always is, totally counterintuitive. Yeah. You know, that by being lost in it, you're found. Well, it becomes actually a, a means of stewardship. Yeah. I mean, you know, you even, you but you're a business owner or you're a, uh, or, or you're a cashier. I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're, we are, all things come of the O Lord. And, and so, um, so it's all about giving back to him what's already his. Yeah. It's, a, it's very liberating. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Colossians, I'm just going to work through it. I'm going to interrupt Paul a little bit and talk. Um, Paul says, uh, if then you have been raised with Christ. So he's already talked to the Colossians about the gospel. Remember that all the the indicative of the gospel, that is what's true about us in the gospel, must come before what we are to do. The imperative of of the gospel. Um, So the indicatives come before the imperatives. So he returns again and reminds them, uh, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. 
where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Think about this from a from a, a work stand, uh, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5.30, whatever your work hours are. Um, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Which is not to say you don't need to think about um, profit margins and 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 God, there's so many business things I don't know about the right terms for. But um, <laughs> wouldn't it be great if I could just talk, just write, uh, write as if I knew what I was talking about? But the um, um, but the uh, shareholder reports and all these things, you, you need to think about those things, right? You you really need to think about those things. So so it doesn't mean there, there's this um, uh, commercial on the radio. Um, uh, some cr- cheesy Christian radio station. I think it was in I, th- I think it was in Columbia when I was uh, growing up, and I can just remember this um, this the the it was sort of a parable. It was a story, and it was uh, this man wanted to, he wanted to barge in and and uh, and speak to this uh, executive because something was wrong with the company, and the and the secretary said no no he's 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 in an important appointment, and and I, I need to see him right now. No no you can't see him anyway. He brushes past her and. and barges in and, and he's the man's on, on his knees like he, he's praying you know he's stealing time I mean right I mean isn't that that's that's the employer time he's supposed to be doing his work I, I, I don't know maybe maybe that's good enough, which isn't to say don't pray at work I just um, it, we have to think we have to think about the tasks at hand I want you to pray at work but it really is a posture of stewardship and a posture of service uh, rather than saying, well, you have to be so, you know, heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. So, um, so set your minds on things that are above, uh, not on things that are on earth. That is, treat, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. Isn't that right? God, the way God wants you. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's the gospel. Uh, it's true about you all the time. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you will also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, that is, since the gospel is true about you, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, and which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Now, it doesn't mean it's coming to you, because the wrath of God to you has already been meted out on the cross. Uh, but but these, in other words, those who are in Christ should be distinct from those who are not yet in Christ. Um, so in these, so he's hearkening back as he often does to to their life before Christ. In these two, you once walked uh, when you were living in them. But now, that's Paul's great phrase. But now, you must put them all away. That really speaks. I mean, this is this just working through this passage in preparation for this class. I've thought about. 25 different places in my life that I, I need to apply this. Um, uh, work is one of them, but but it's not the only place. Family certainly as well. Um, you must put them all away. Anger, ugh, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. What exactly did you mean by that, really? Um, uh, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put on the new self. You're clothed in Christ's righteousness which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, this is so, now this is so important. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, 
barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and in all. And so what that means is that the CEO and the mailroom clerk are just as important as, uh, as uh, uh, in God's eyes. And therefore, the Christian CEO and the, needs to treat the mailroom clerk with all dignity, and the, and the Christian mailroom clerk needs to treat the CEO as a brother in Christ. And, and, and so the, the, because we are sinners saved by grace, the, the field is leveled. There is no um, Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. Christ is all and in, and in all. So we may have different tasks that we are given. Some of those in the world's eyes are lofty. Some pay a lot better than others. But, um, but the gospel gives dignity uh, to everything that we do and mandates that we treat everyone uh, with dignity. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Now, what would it be like if you carried each of these things into, Christ, into your work uh, every day? Put on, then, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these... Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It does not mean you should not keep someone accountable or be kept accountable um, in your performance evaluation, but that we do so from a heart of love, compassion, understanding, uh, patience, and let the peace of Christ, this is the gospel freedom, the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, uh, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Work creates stress. Stress isn't always a bad thing, but it creates stress. It can create anxiety. It can create delusions of grandeur. Um, it, it, uh, and, and that what happens it, when we find ourselves in idolatry, what should we do about it? Repent. Not stop it because you're going. That becomes stopping it becomes an idol. It's all we're so convoluted. Just repent. Put on then compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. What I just was as I was going through this, I thought, man, what wouldn't it be great if we could um, just make this our prayer for for each day? Lord, give me. Thank you that I'm God, your chosen one. Thank you that in the heavenlies I am holy and beloved. Give me compassion and kindness and humility today. Make me meek and patient. Help me to bear one another, with one another, bear with others and forgive them and help me to put on love. I mean, that would just, I feel like I could i could pray that morning and noon and night. Because um, our Christianity is is true about us all the time. It's not just true now. Um, I mean, it, 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 is, it is true now, not just after we die. It's, church, it's true at, at church, but it's also true at work just as it's true at home. Um, so we work from our salvation, not for it. Let me ask you this. So how, the question then is, how do, I, how do I live as a Christian at work? How do I live as a Christian uh, at work? And I'm just going to give three things, and I, you may, you may add, add plenty more. Um, number one, uh, integrity. Uh, honesty. Uh, trustworthiness, being a per- man or a woman that um, that others look to as 
uh, let their, your yes be yes and your no be no. People understand uh, that you are someone who is going to do what you say and um, is you're not going to you're not a cheater. You're not going to go behind their back. So integrity, because you have that moral compass. Um, number two, competence. There's some I can't remember who it was. There's a, a thinker who who talked about having a ministry of competence. Uh, and I lifted up last week. I didn't bring it in. Um, Tim Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor. It's about work. It's a great, great resource. Um, and he tells a story about. Uh, I think I remember when this happened. It was uh, it was in the late 80s, um, and it was a flight from I think Hawaii to Japan. And like the, one of the engines blew off, and people, a few people got out, but they were like 100 miles out from Hawaii, and and the the pilot. Um, was able to use his expertise and actually turn the plane around and, and land the plane. He didn't say, you know, this is a really good time for me to share the four spiritual laws with you. Uh, I'm really praying for all of you uh, as, as we hurl to our demise. He used his expertise and, and he landed the plane. How does a, how does a, uh, how's a Christian pilot really a Christian? Land the plane. You know, like that's a... Um, that's... That is doing God's work. Um, how did did glory come from that? Oh my gosh, yes, right? Yeah, he the guy got all kinds of accolades. Or or the um or the what's it, Sully Sullivan, the guy if I remember, unbelievable. Um and and yet, so he he got glory, he got hope surely satisfaction from knowing that, uh, but he 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 was competent. Um, what happens if you if you pursue competence? If you are the best because of your walk with Christ, you become the best that you can be. You may or may not. I can't. I don't know what's going to happen. But you may ascend within your field. And what happens when a Christian reaches the top of their field? And their field is run with integrity. Their field is run with, or at least um, at least. In that, in that person's sphere of influence, the people are cared for, the job is done well. Um, so competence is a really important part of our life in Christ, um, doing the job that we do well for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, as Paul said. And, and again, the, number three, so integrity, competence, uh, people-oriented. You know, just the, the, it's it's about it's not about the prophet. We're um, prophet's important, but it's mostly about the people. Um, we're seeking their benefit, the people that work for us, the people that we serve in our business. So integrity, competence, um, people-oriented. Any, any want to add to those or, or question any of those or anything else? So I'm sure there are many, but I, I want to say one more thing before. How do we live our lives as Christians at work? I was just thinking about the yeah. example of Cherry and Fire when we were talking about that. When mm-hmm. He had the chance to go to the mission field, but he ran in the race instead, and he was talking about, you know, when I run, I feel God's pleasure mm-hmm. because that's what God made him. He said, God made me fast, right? Yeah, yeah. Eric, yeah. So I'm gonna, I, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. That's right. So it, I think we can apply that. If you're gifted to be, you know, in whatever role you're in and work, and mm-hmm. you're doing it to your best ability, mm-hmm. Then you're you're feeling his pleasure, and, yeah. and that's very satisfying to think that work can be that. Right. Yeah. You know, somebody said, "Wow, that's really neat." You know, I've had tons of people say, "Wow, that's really neat that you're you're called to ministry." And, you know, the proper response is that we're all called to ministry, which doesn't mean we're all called to 
volunteer work on the side, like where you are at your desk as a competent, you know, excellent, you know, pursuing excellence in your job, blessing others, um, that is uh, that is how we are doing God's work. So what about your own greatness and pursuing your own greatness? I, I think it's really good to have career goals, um, goals inside of work, outside of work. Uh, I, I think that those can be financial as well. I don't think that we're um, sinning in wanting to have a certain lifestyle, although I think we hold those things lightly. And we, um, and, and we, and this is very hard for me personally um, to not look around at whatever everybody else has and want what they've got or, or think that that's normal. Um, listen, I, I, if I can say this as bluntly as this, Mountain Brook, that's not normal. You know, it's not um, our lives, and, and, the, and we have all sorts of people. Uh, at the advent um, in all situations but but even uh, even those in poor situations are it's not normal you know it's uh, normal is what the other four billion people in the world live like and so um, so it's it's um, we hold what we have lightly and um, and we thank God for it this Paul's words here be thankful be thankful what but what but what of pursuing your own greatness James 4. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Don't need your own greatness. Need the Lord. And that's, that, that's enough work. If you leave here, that's work. Don't need greatness. Need the Lord. And He will exalt you when He's ready. There may be times where you get passed over for a promotion or something like that. And that's we just got to hold, hold those things lightly. It's, it's hard. Sometimes it's not fair. Um... We trust Him with our life. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't, at that point, go look for another business or another, you know, uh, at a competitor. It's okay to move around, I think. Um, It doesn't mean you have to stay where you are all the time. Yeah, Jim. What you've been talking about, the exact opposite is illustrated in Larry Taunton's book, The Grace Effect, where everywhere he went, just crooks and thieves with their hands out. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'd have to hear more about that because I, I don't want to. Uh, you're saying that I'm contradicting what Larry said, or yeah, you're no. just this the this the thing around in it. The, in the in the non-Christian part of the world. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't um I haven't read that book. I should, but um anyway, I I think staying humble and needing the Lord and allowing Him to work through us where we are is I mean, that takes discipline and rigor. Being a Christian as a, as a lawyer, um, as a doctor, as a travel agent, as whatever it is, as a coffee executive—I mean, it's a—it's—it's—it's um, it's, it's hard work, and and it requires uh, us to keep our mind on things heavenly so that we can be earthly good. Um, so next week we're, we'll finish up. I want to talk about leadership. Uh, I want to talk about uh, vocation a little bit, how we view our and choose our careers. And I also want to talk about um, sort of an entrepreneurial spirit and allowing the spirit to work uh, work through us um, in ministry. So uh, any other, we got a couple minutes, just one or two minutes. Any, any thoughts, parting thoughts, or things you'd like to make sure get talked about next week? Or? It seems like there's a, a tension between competence and, say, compassion kindness, humility, and meekness sometimes. Okay. Say more about that. You know, when you're when you're on the other side of a negotiation, mm-hmm. he's trying to take advantage of you. 
you know, uh, throughout a tran through a transaction. Mm. You know, if you're competent, you're going to be able to, you know, negotiate back with him. Mm -hmm. And you know, you, some of these uh, characteristics may mm -hmm. not be, you know, with you when you're kind of negotiating. Yeah, I think I'd want to do some some thinking about um, how. And I don't have the answer to that because I, I, I see your point. You know, when someone's trying to take advantage of you, your your job is to make sure you don't get ta taken advantage of. But the it it's really comes out who comes out on top, and, and really there's a that may be a measure of your competence. Can I be compassionate towards that person? Uh, I, I just have to think. I'd have to do some more thinking about what does that mean that I'm trying to put them down, or does that mean I'm just trying to do for my business? Can I? Is there a way that we can all win? That sounds a little pie in the sky. I realize that. So, I, I, I'd want, I would hope that there would be a way to, to be faithful, and yet, um, to the Lord, to my employer, and to the people that we're negotiating with. I would, I would hope so. D being compassionate doesn't mean you can't be firm. Um, so, but yeah, I'd want to think through, through that some more. But I, I appreciate that. That's a good point. Anything else? Go in peace.